Hello, Valparaiso. This is Allison Schutte. And Reagan Skaggs. And you're listening to Welcome Project Radio. The Welcome Project collects first-person stories and pairs them with facilitated conversation to help participants forge stronger ties within and across communities. We vision a world in which people are curious about and actively seek to engage those who are different from themselves. We are proudly underwritten by Asana Yoga Center and Roots Market Cafe, two excellent ways to feel good. They're located downtown and online at asanacenter.com and rootsmarketcafe.com. And thanks to Kelly and Michael Marakna, who believe in supporting diversity, learning, and growth. Theme music is provided by WVLP's very own Paul Schreiner. Thanks, Paul. And today on Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio, we're breaking format a little (laughs) bit, and we're very excited to be talking with our very own Reagan Skaggs about unionizing. As you will learn in this show, Reagan has been at the center of working to unionize her particular Starbucks store. We wanted to have a conversation with you today, Reagan, to kind of learn about where this commitment and passion is rooted for you in your own life, and then to talk about some of the experiences that you've had along the way and and hear what the process has been and some of the excitement and challenges that you've encountered along the way and and where you're at now and what you hope for. So that's what we're going to do today. We're really excited to see this under the banner of Welcome Project Radio, knowing that the need to include stories of labor is essential for really having a healthy community and understanding who's in our community and, and how to work for their flourishing. Shall we begin with like a little bit of personal details about your interest in labor? Yeah, yeah. So I did get in trouble in high school and was told by this teacher who we were not the best of friends that I had an overdeveloped sense of justice. Oh. And I think that that's probably not an unfair critique. How can you have an overdeveloped sense of justice? Listen, I don't know. So I think that that's not necessarily inaccurate. Like I've been interested in social issues, like definitely from teenagerness up, teenagehood. I don't know what you would say there, yeah. but up. Uh, always have been like trying to read and learn about as much stuff as possible, and like spent a lot of time reading about like the really terrible things that happen mm-hmm. in the world, and like trying to understand those things. Before we move too far away from this teacher, like, was yeah. he responding to something particular that you were reading and wanting to talk about or ways that you were engaging in the school at the time? What was he? It was a little bit of both. It was how I was interacting with him during a specific event, and I, I felt that he was reacting inappropriately towards another student. And I was not quiet about it. Not sexually, for the record. I know that's where people's minds are going to go first. It was not that. And I was not quiet about it. He was very vocally conservative, which is totally his prerogative. But, like, I was not. And I read a lot of books that he did not like that I was reading or that made him uncomfortable, I guess. I don't fully know. I was definitely, like, that kid in school that really loved school and really loved a lot of my teachers and, like, would try to get to know teachers like in an appropriate way again n- boundaries were never crossed yeah yeah but uh yeah absolutely a ideological difference that that um, came to a head yeah. over like a specific okay. event but yeah. you in some ways resonate with that 
I think it's really funny now. That claim of being over... An overdeveloped <laughs> sense of... Ju- I will never forget that. I will never huh. forget like, him yeah. saying that to me. Yeah. yeah, it's just very funny. Well, now it's very funny. At the time, I was like, what? But now, now yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's just something I've always tried to keep in mind and like have always had a very strong sense of right and wrong and trying to I want I want my corner or not the whole world but I want the my corner of the world at least to be a little bit better and I've been obnoxious about that apparently for a long time <laughs> when you were in high school and and first developing this over <laughs> overarching overextended sense of justice what were the issues then that really like you were reading about that were grabbing you? I was really into history uh, as a high schooler. Like I just, I was really into history. So uh, I read a lot of books specifically about that. And I got into reading um, what now has become a bigger genre. I, I don't know exactly what it's called, but it's like personal nonfiction, but it's not creative nonfiction. It'll, they'll interweave personal narratives or a thing that they are doing and with like, a systemic overlook of things like contextualizing personal experience of themselves and others okay um so like one of the big ones i remember reading was like living biblically for a year okay um and then like i read the rape of nan king in high school which in retrospect Mm. i wish i hadn't i wish i had waited till i was older like the book on hiroshima like the, the just that kind of stuff all the time i also read a ton of fiction in high school also and i was really into like john steinbeck yeah um okay you know, just that kind of thing. Why did you think the rape of Nanking, in retrospect, was too soon? It's a very heavy book. Um, it's just like, I, yeah, so you felt like you were, I think what I'm getting at is like, um, did you feel like the exposure to injustice was um, kind of too daunting for well, like coming up as an adult, like was it leading to despair or yeah, as opposed, definitely. Okay, yeah, it was yeah. definitely despair. And I like off and on have had like severe depression or anxiety, and so like at that and when I was in high school, it was especially bad uh, for a period of time. There. Okay, so yeah, like there is I and I as an adult have pulled back a lot on the things I read and have tried to change certain things of the types of things that I consume because I am a little prone to like fall into that despair. Yeah. And that's why I was asking. Cause I think for me, that's a really live question right now. Having worked on the welcome project for 13 years, feeling like a lot of times I led with what's been difficult or challenging for people in communities. And that means focusing on the injustice and the suffering mm-hmm. and just really starting to question leading or only putting that input (laughs) into my narrative because I feel like it tends to make us feel less like we have less agency in life so just that's really interesting to me as this setup for this larger experience we're going to talk about today of you trying to unionize your store because I think there's you know a clear act of agency. Of course, you have no idea about the outcome. But, <laughs> Not yet. You no. know, I think that that's so important for us in doing any kind of justice work is that we still have a sense of our own agency um, and and get to experience it as a way to not feel like the the systems are set up too strong against us. So, mm-hmm. um, so then, um, what about labor in particular? 
did that come in college? Did it come after college? I know you didn't finish your degree yet, but yeah, uh, a little bit of both. So like I've worked a lot, like even when I was like a kid, like uh, I babysat, I like did just did little jobs and stuff like kind of as long as I can remember. And then my first over the table job was at McDonald's in my hometown. Uh, And that was not a great experience. Like that was, I got sexually harassed by one of my bosses and I was 16. Mm. Um, And then like my manager was like, my head manager was not responsive to it. And like another girl also came forward and was like, Hey, this is making me uncomfortable. Yeah. And then, you know, I've worked, I don't know, as a person who, again, I don't have a degree and um, I'm from a smaller town than this one. And there's not a ton of opportunities in my opinion, from where I'm from, which is why I'm here. Okay. And, like, so most of the jobs I worked, I would did, like, just food service. Like, I've worked food service or retail basically my entire time. I didn't get a job that wasn't food service or retail until I got into college. Okay. And it's very – the difference between the two is borderline bizarre. Like, it's almost unreal, like, the different pace and um, the different expectations and – yeah, it's just hard to wrap your head around. But, like, the older I got, the more I realized that certain things that happened that are considered normal in a lot of jobs, I'm like, oh, that's not okay. Mm. Um, and then also, again, as an adult and as a person who's, like, eternally curious, obnoxiously curious, um, <laughs> it's kind of really difficult, especially now, if you are in any of, like, even just, like, on social media, any of the circles of folks talking about work experience Uh, Because they are making very direct comparisons between the U.S. work experience, the typical U.S. work experience, and a lot of European work experiences. Okay. And talking about, like, well, this is not standard, even at, like, a very, like, small-time, quote-unquote, job, such as, like, you know, working at Starbucks. uh, The labor standards are so different. So it's just seeing how different things are having my own experiences and like seeing how things work at these types of jobs and then seeing how they can be different they don't have to be that way yeah can you illustrate that a little bit so we have a better sense of the difference between american and yeah european so standards the big example right now because um if you uh, i don't know if everybody knows but on the news right now uh and it's happening in this moment, there are a lot of tech layoffs happening in the U.S., and they're happening in a, at a pretty big scale at a bunch of different companies. I think Google is either set to or has already laid off approximately like 6% of their workforce, um, that kind of thing. So there was a very stark difference. I don't know what company, but it was a company that had national and or uh, U.S. and international offices. And in France, when they laid off the employees they had to provide them with like i want to say it's like two months severance pay okay and uh some additional like they got to keep some of their benefits for like a period of time also Um, and they had to prove basically to the government that they were doing this because they actually had to do it and there wasn't much else that they could have done to preserve their company Um, and if they were found to have done that unnecessarily they would have been fined severely Hmm. And maybe had like an additional sanction in France, um, whereas in the U.S. you're just done. You and uh, also worthy of note is like we don't have universal health care in the U.S., right. so that means not only are you losing your paycheck, which is your rent, your groceries, your ability to support yourself and others, uh, you are also losing your health care. It's yeah. very tied up in work. This is WVLP <laughs> 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, Indiana. And streaming live online at wvlp.org. 
This is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio. Today, it's just me and Reagan. Will couldn't be here today. I know that she would want to be. So well wishes to Will. And um, we're talking with Reagan not about a Welcome Project story, but about Reagan's own experience of helping to start a, a labor union for the store that she works at, the Starbucks store that she works at. So how did that idea get planted? Were you the instigator? Were you a fellow instigator? How, what's been your role? And then just kind of walk us through the process maybe. Yeah. So um, I promised Alec, I promised him that I would tell him. He was the first one to reach out to uh, the unionization thing. So basically last summer, Starbucks unionizing was hot. It was yeah, hot in the yeah. news. A bunch of stores started doing it. And I want to say within a couple months, there were like hundreds of stores that had already unionized. It was around that time also that I put in an ethics and compliance report, which is just Starbucks like extra HR, essentially. Um, You can put it in anonymously, which I did at the time, which I'm officially undoing now. So in Indiana, you do not have to give people over the age of 18 breaks. You legally do not have to. It is not a requirement. No matter how long the shift. Yes, It is not a requirement unless, again, under 18, yes, it's a requirement. But over 18, you do not have to. It's not required. However, most corporations, and this is why as a person that lives in Indiana and has worked for small businesses and big businesses, I now prefer to work for big businesses because if you have a corporation that is in multiple states, normally they have to go with the minimum that is required in the the quote-unquote best labor state, right? Got it. So uh, California is the standard, generally speaking. So almost every business that is a corporation that operates in multiple states, they go by California standards, which is two tens per eight-hour shift and an unpaid uh, half-hour lunch Okay, for just at a minimum. So we were not getting that standard when I first started. We were not receiving lunches unless you worked seven hours. You're supposed to get one at six. Um, and we were not getting last tens unless you worked eight and a half, nine hours. And you knew that because like, where had it been? Like you just knew the California standard? No, or? I am not that cool. <laughs> I am not that powerful. Um, <laughs> it's so we call it the DCR. I don't actually remember what that stands okay. for at this point. It is literally a printed piece of paper and it's really convenient. You can look at it and it tells you everybody who's going to be on shift that day. And it tells you, uh, it prints out the length of their shift, like the whole work day also, because like, you know, we exist longer and a little after, okay. like before and after close and yeah. open so we can clean up or whatever. Uh, it shows everybody there. It show you, it'll show you like who the shift is, like what time peak is, which is our busiest, quote unquote, our busiest time of the day. And they just scratched off all of our breaks that were already pre-listed okay. on this printed out piece of paper, this corporate standard piece of paper. It's not like we have to make our own template. It comes basically from Starbucks. We put in our things. I don't fully understand how that works because I'm not a shift or a manager, Got but that it. is, it's a piece of paper from corporate. And we were, in, those breaks were just getting scratched out. I also traded. So it was very visual. It was extremely visual. And I wow. had worked at other stores. Okay. Um, I trained at a different store before I came there and I have, at this point, I have a lot of friends that worked in Starbucks because, like, I've been networking. But, like, mm. at the time, I had two or three, and I was like, is this normal? And they were like, no. And when we would have shifts come, um, or we briefly had an assistant manager who was training at our store. And she had come from a different store. And when she was on shift, she would give us okay. the full breaks. So 
I was like, well, this huh. seems not correct. Yeah. Filed a report, and then it became this big thing. Um, the district manager came through and like talked to a bunch of people about it. I had actually talked to the district manager before I put in the ethics and compliance report. She had come by. I think she had recently started around the time that I had started. I don't know, but she was just there and she was like, oh, I'm here to talk to. Oh, no, I think actually it was because of the summer of unionization Uh and they wanted everybody to to check in. I don't know if she was prompted to go or if she just wanted to go. I don't know. It's not my business. But she was there and I mentioned it in a conversation with her and she's like, well, Indiana has weird laws. I don't know. I'll get back to you. She didn't. I filed the report, and then we got our breaks all of a sudden. For those of us who haven't worked at Starbucks, can you work through the the hierarchy a little bit? Okay, I will do my best. So um, we have shift managers who are managers, but they're not, like, they'll be included in the union, essentially, is the important distinction here. Okay. Um, And they just run the particular shift that they're on. They're like, okay, so you are supposed to work on the bar, or you're supposed to work on drive-thru, or you're supposed to do customer support, which is our word for just the person who gets, like, preparation and cleaning tasks done, mostly. Yeah. Everybody's supposed to, you know, all that other good garbage. So they do that, and they're, like, regular people. They don't have, like, the power to write anybody up or anything. They're just, like, running the shift, essentially. Then we have the store manager which is often abbreviated to SM and that is the person who's in charge of the whole store and then we have district manager who's in charge of a bunch of stores in one area okay and that's a DM and then we have a regional manager I think that's where it goes next yeah. I'm not entirely that, that sure not yeah sure. that part I'm not sure because I've met him once okay and he is in charge of like so Patrice who is our district manager is in charge of a particular chunk of indiana and then however starbucks chunks it out from there then michael who is our regional manager i think that's his title okay he is then in charge of like a bigger chunk so he has yeah. a bunch of dms district managers under him and patrice has a bunch of sms store managers under her and then the store manager has their shift managers and then us baristas so it was your store manager who was scratching out the yeah, um, or breaks. the shift that she has assist her do that, which the shift would have been doing that under her instruction. Okay, okay. Yeah. So no response, or you had some initial interest from the district manager when you spoke to her in person, but she didn't get back to you, so you ended up filing the ethics and... Yes. ethics and compliance. Compliance. And how yes. did you know about that? Well, know. it's in our training, which... It does not say much. They put so much stuff in that training. Yeah, it's hard like, to keep track yeah. of it all. Um, but there are these little cards in the back. And I was complaining about it one day. And I, I don't remember. I think my friend was like, well, I, I don't know. Do you think this would do anything? And I took the little card back with me home. I was like, well, I'll try it out. And I did. And it did something. It did something a lot yeah. faster than our district manager did. But you put it in anonymously at that point. So yes. you don't know, like nobody followed up with you. Um, no, the follow-up, I, a version of follow-up did happen with me, but that's because I specifically volunteered to talk to our district manager when okay. she came back in later to basically check in, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, the, yeah, there's, as far as I know, they didn't know it was me until, you know, now. Okay. But, but there was a real desire to respond to the official complaint. You saw a difference mm-hmm. from that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's base level. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I, I know it's a lot of jargon. All corporations have their own silly little jargon, and they all want you to pretend that it's very important. So I, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I'm and, sorry. <laughs> and also, just like I want to hear the narrative around it, too, because I feel like there are a lot of... Well, maybe just speaking for myself, when I've been on minimum wage jobs, I didn't necessarily educate myself about like 
access to ways of informing people if something was happening that I was uncomfortable with or mm -hmm. worried about. So I, I think that says something too about how you were reflecting on what was happening and who you were talking to. And anyway, so I think that's important to just encourage people to think like sometimes you actually have to poke a little bit to find yeah. like where and how to do complaints in ways that can be useful. Yeah. Well, people who had worked there forever told me that they didn't really know or understand yeah. the ethics and compliance yeah. like line, which is unfortunate because most jobs like this one, which is, it's a fast food job. Most jobs like this one um, have little to no HR that you can see. There is almost always technically a place you can go, but usually they're like, no, you need to go to your manager. Yeah. Um, and in this, for this instance, for obvious reasons, I did not feel comfortable yeah. going to my manager and being like, hey, you're doing this wrong. Yeah. So almost always, unless you were, again, which is why I prefer working at big businesses now as an adult, okay. unless you, uh, like as long as you work at a corporation, there is an there's almost always an alternate uh, HR line. You just gotta find it. Okay. Yeah. So what happened next? Hours got cut real bad. Um, I put in an ethics and compliance report again, uh, basically because I was like, this feels like retaliation. Our hours getting cut because we specifically got our breaks back. Um, nothing happened with that. Like, again, Patrice came in again and was like, just so you know, this is not happening. I'm like, okay, uh, well, that's it still sucks and it still feels bad. But all right, fair enough. If that's just how this company works, that's just how this company works. We were doing that. I think it was either during or after this process that Alec, who had only been there a couple months at that point. And put, do you know who Alec is? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Alec Maliphant, he works at Starbucks with me. Okay, so he, a co-worker and friend? Yeah, co-worker, okay. friend, a fellow union organizer. Okay. There's three of us. So it's okay. me, Alec Maliphant, Jess Williams. Okay. He had put in that report first and then didn't follow, not report, I apologize. He had emailed Starbucks Workers United first and then didn't follow up because he had not been working there very long at the time. He's like, I don't think that's good optics wise. That's not the move. And I kind of agreed with him. And I was like, well, like, I'll do it. And he's like, okay, cool. And I emailed them, got into contact. It took him a minute to get in contact with me, but we got there. So <laughs> I'm going to slow you down because I heard a new name. I heard Star Starbucks Workers. Starbucks Workers United, which is the, who we're filing with to get our union. Okay. Um, and they are like a group that does unions. They have other group, uh, other unions that exist that are not Starbucks that they help out with and manage and like legal team power, all that other good stuff. Uh, they have ones in service industry and out of service industry. Okay. Um, and that precedent was set by the Buffalo, New York Starbucks, which was the first to unionize. Okay. So... I went with them because they had already set a precedent. Seems like a fairly good precedent. It seemed like just Googling them really quick. I was like, okay, they seem like they know what they're doing. Um, and they definitely have the legal power that I do not and like the <laughs> money that I do not. So we'll, we'll go with that. Sounds great. So we did that and then started emailing. I got put in contact. From what I remember, it seemed like I got put in contact with either somebody at Starbucks Workers United who whose job is purely just to attach them to the appropriate okay. um, union representative yeah. or potential union representative, or it was a Buffalo worker who then got me in contact. I'm not entirely sure, but I texted with one person for a little bit, called with that person for a little bit, and then was uh, moved to MC, who is our union rep. That's uh, the initials or name that's her, for somebody. Yeah, that's okay. her name. Yeah, okay. her name is MC. Okay. Uh, she is lovely. And we've been working with her 
And from there, it was keep quiet because we need to be able to do this without crazy union busting tactics happening, which at this point, we're pretty well publicized in the news cycle. So if like your store manager wanted to do the equivalent of what you did, they could Google and find out like <laughs> how other store managers or district managers have responded to, to workers who are trying to unionize? Yeah. In the news, there have been a fair amount of like, okay, this unionize, union organizer was fired. Um, this store was shut down and it's likely because they were unionized. Um, this store was going to unionize and then the union investing was so intense that they are no longer going to unionize. And thankfully now, like now that we're farther out, a lot of like people who have been fired have gotten their jobs back. Stores have like been forced to reopen and even unionizations that like didn't end up happening because of intense union busting. They were like, no, we need to revisit this. Like the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board has stepped in okay. quite a few times due to Starbucks union busting. So also we are a little late to the game. We're going to be the second if I think we're going to unionize. I think we're going to do it. Uh, if we do, we're going to be the second store in Indiana to do it. Um, and thankfully, a lot of the big bad stuff that Starbucks was initially doing, the NLRB has basically been like, you can't do that. Okay. So hopefully we're going to miss out on a lot of yeah, the initial benefit. union busting <laughs> tactics that Starbucks was doing previously. And we honestly missed a lot of that heat during the summer. Also, I did hear of other stores, stores that were not officially or publicly yet unionizing um, had to do... Um, I don't remember the official term for them, but basically it would be a required meeting that everybody would have to go to. They would watch a video from Starbucks corporate telling you how unions are bad. Okay. Uh, captive audience meetings. That's what they're called. <laughs> I love the euphemism. <laughs> yes. So it's just uh, a lot of that stuff has been, you know, kind of deemed a no-go or has been deemed legally nebulous at best. So we're missing out on a lot of that stuff, which Good. I am very grateful for, for the record. <laughs> so the advice, however, still was to keep the initial conversations with Starbucks workers united kind of hushed yes. while what was happening in the background then. So we were trying to keep it hush-hush. Um, we only went public the day that everybody else knew that we went public. So I think it was the 17th. Oh, like very recently. Yeah, that when we when the news articles started getting yeah. posted, that's when we went public. So for our listeners, that was like under two weeks ago. Yeah. And this is January twenty something. Twenty-eighth. Twenty-eighth. So mid January, you went public. Yeah. And that's when you also Well, it was it was in the news and that's when you went public, right? Yes. Yeah, so for the better part of the year we had to keep everything really, that's really quiet. Basically, okay. yeah. We had to keep everything really, really quiet. What was happening during that time period was we would kind of try to like sneakily bring up union things or like how people thought about unions and then figure with out coworkers? with coworkers, okay. um, with coworkers. And we would try to figure out where they generally stood. And then if it seemed positive, we'd be like, hey, do you want to go get a coffee? Hey, have you heard of this? Hey, what do you think of this? And then from there, we, we continued to have conversations um, and just trying to like figure out where everybody was at. And then. Once we had a better handle, we started signing cards. Okay, so I want to ask you about that in yeah. a minute, but let me do a station break here. Um, this is WVLPLP at 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, community-supported radio. Also streaming live from WVLP.org. We rely on donations from individuals, businesses, and other organizations in order to continue to spread the word that ongoing, volunteer-driven local media leads to a better community. 
So please consider supporting this station by visiting the website wvlp.org backslash support. Donations are tax deductible and we would sure appreciate it. And this is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio. I'm Allison Schutte here with co-host Reagan Skaggs, who is also being interviewed today for the show about their experience with uh, unionizing. Can we say that yet? Or should we say organizing? <laughs> I think technically we should say organizing, okay. but ideally for unionizing. Yeah, organizing her Starbucks store for a union. So you were... Oh, talking about behind-the-scenes work that you and um, Alec mm-hmm. and what, Jess. And Jess. W- what you were doing in the meantime is trying to find out from your coworkers who else might be interested in unionizing. I think because I understand at some point you needed to have a certain number of workers who would be interested yes. to make sure that the, that the effort was successful. Yes, So So what is the signing the cards thing you mentioned? So basically the signing cards thing specifically is um, just signing a piece of, it's not even a piece of paper because now it's a link, which that was a piece of like union busting information that like our store manager gave out was like, oh, it's going to be little business cards. They haven't done that in forever. Okay. Um, It's not little business cards. Like we, we have computers now, so we don't need to do like physical things. It's just a little link that we would send to people and they would just put their name, like the store address and confirm like, yeah, I'm doing this because I'm interested in having the opportunity to vote for a union because that's all it is. Okay, just the opportunity to vote. Yes. So we have filed for an opportunity to vote for a union. How interesting. Yes. (laughs) So that is what that was. Um, And numbers wise, I will tell you what the legal minimums are and then I will tell you what our minimums were. Okay. So legal minimum to file for the opportunity to vote is around, I think, 30%. Of the workforce. Of the workforce. Not the managers, right? No, the manager manager and the assistant manager would not be included in that. And partially it's because, like, from what I understand, I don't think they get paid from, like, our store. They get paid from Starbucks corporate. Got it. That's the other thing. Like, also, when you become an assistant manager or a manager, part of your job is to make sure that everybody's, like, in line. Got it. Um, So, yes, just I think this is at most places most unionized entities if you are a manager that has the power to hire or fire or do a write-up you probably will not be included in the union yeah okay um so any manager or assistant manager is automatically not included so of, of course we did not need to ask our store manager how she felt about <laughs> <us> unionizing <laughs> um but yes so the minimum for the opportunity to vote is 30 percent, and then the minimum to win the vote i think is 51 percent or 52 okay. percent something along those lines and who sets those uh, that the National Labor okay. Relations Board, um, that one is just like legal. Got it. How it has to be. What Starbucks Workers United wanted us to do, and what we did manage to do, which was extremely exciting, was we needed to get to seventy percent. Wow, interest, in- interest, and in, in confirmation that you okay. will like ideally you will vote yes, yes. for a union. Yeah. Yeah. We got over that. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Although I hate to say that might mean something about the conditions is well, motivating people yeah. too. Yeah. Although maybe not. Maybe there's a sense of camaraderie <laughs> that's independent of. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I don't know how everywhere this is, but in it's very commonly known in like just Starbucks situations that uh, they're cutting hours really, really severely. Everywhere. And that's not just at your store. That is not it's just, not just, at just my Indiana. Store. It it's... is at least nationally. I know there are, there are obviously Starbucks that exist internationally, but in America, okay. at a minimum, that is where this problem is being faced. Um, they're cutting hours 
crazy. And they started cutting them during Christmas, which is most people's overtime Whoa. season. And yeah. also when we're insanely busy. Uh, they just changed the algorithm basically right before the Christmas season so that we earn less hours. Which means we have less... By earning hours, it's hours that we're allowed to work. So we have very, very few... They're just making it harder and harder to work there. And do they offer a justification? They say, well, you can pick up hours at other stores... Uh, which we can't because they don't have hours either to give us. So I don't know how yeah. we're supposed to do that. Um, that's the big justification they give us. Like, well, you have opportunities elsewhere to try and get hours. Um, and they also say that they're trying to get inefficiencies out of the algorithm. Okay. But also we didn't have great amounts of hours before this. Right. And now they're like reducing them even further. So at a minimum, that is happening nationally. And I guess as a customer, mm-hmm. I would think that the equation that managers are trying to work with is how many staff do I need during hours when, for example, like business is really buzzing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need more workers then and less workers this time, blah, blah, blah. And it's more about like, do I have the workers to support the clients? But it sounds to me like you're saying it's separate than that. It, it, yeah. they're, they're separating it from the customer need and the actual business, like the workflow need. And they're just like, this is what we can afford. And so we're going to. It's not afford. That hasn't been thrown around. It, okay. It's they're, they're just trying to make it better. They're trying to improve the algorithm. That's make the what I have. as an, it's better. <laughs> yes. As an employee, that is what I have been told. Is that like, oh, they're making changes because they thought that the other algorithm was like like the word I keep hearing is inefficient and for him uh, that's the real know. question because <laughs> technically we can operate on like skeleton crews but it technically and it's awful obviously for us working like it is actually awful at a job that I you know enjoy and didn't really want it to be awful yeah I mean anecdotally my experience with the Christmas season was driving to uh, Sarasota Florida and stepping at this Starbucks and having to wait, I don't know, like 30 minutes mm-hmm. for a coffee. And I wasn't even getting the fancy stuff, you know? Yes. So, and I knew a little bit from your experience and uh, Willow's partner is a, she's a store manager, that there were problems with hours. So mm-hmm. like I had a sense of why, like I needed to have some patience and yeah. at least not take it out on the workers, but it was it was real, like, it was no, and pretty it's clear. so frustrating. It's so frustrating for us. It's so frustrating for the customer. There's no reason it should take half an hour to get your brewed coffee out. Yeah. No actual reason at all. And it's and the workers were not lazing about. <laughs> no, we, they have everybody us was running. really really busy. Yeah, yeah, they have us running around for sure. Yeah, uh, that is yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is not debatable. I don't think. So you were able to get over 70% of workers at your store Mm -hmm. to sign the card. Mm -hmm. And what was Starbucks Workers United rationale for 70% as opposed to 30? So the big thing, and this is a problem we had because we could have technically signed cards at least at one other point in time. But Starbucks is fast food. It has a high turnover rate. We lose people all the time. And then we hire new people all the time. Mm. Um, So that's a big part of it is like people are just going to leave. People are just going to quit because they have to. Uh, Because especially right now, like we're not 
getting hours. So you there's no point in working a job that you can't use to pay your rent. Um, and Starbucks also, it's difficult to have a second job with Starbucks because you can be scheduled anywhere from 4.30 in the morning mm. to 9.30, sometimes 10 o'clock at night. Uh, and if you then, and this is my personal experience, I have one day, it is today, that I am not completely available because I do the radio show every other Saturday. <laughs> Thank and you I have, for your <laughs> But I have been told that my one day where I'm not 100% available is part of why I don't get hours mm. because I am not 100% not, flexible. Yeah, you're not 100% available. Which means like <laughs> if you are then, there and there are people, like I am a quote unquote night crew person. I typically get scheduled at night, but I have in the past um, worked mornings and continue to and like all close and have to come in early in the morning. And like they do that kind of stuff to us all the time too. There are certain times where like, oh, this person's a morning person, this person's a night person, but there's a lot of shifting that happens also. So you can't get a second job where you could say to that employer, I'm available mornings you because can. you don't really know yeah. if you'll be always. You can, but you have to cut your availability off at a certain point And then like they just will sometimes take that as an excuse to just not schedule you anymore okay. or they'll schedule you even less. You're like, well, I'm getting 20 hours here, so that should be fine. I'll get another part-time job. And then all of a sudden you have no hours. And most of us, myself included, like Starbucks has decent like healthcare benefits. That's half the reason I'm there. Uh, if you don't work 20 hours, you do not get those benefits. Okay. So if you, they suddenly drop you and you don't, you're not getting the hours that you're supposed to at the end of the quarter, when they evaluate whether or not you've been working enough to get your, your benefits, they'll just take them. So really you and fellow coworkers were being dropped hours beneath 20 a week being cut that some people yeah okay and there are also starbucks recently just changed something so if you are not working at like you're part-time you have to at least work 12 hours a week to be considered part-time to be eligible to continue working and if you are not doing that then they can fire you hmm. this isn't happening as much at our store we are doing okay um not really <laughs> most people want 40 hours uh nobody is getting 40 hours including our shifts which typically that was like a part of mm-hmm. getting a promotion was like, well, I have guaranteed hours. Yeah, yeah. That is no longer the case. You know, I would be close to 40 or 40. I, it wasn't uncommon for me to get overtime because like I'm usually pretty willing to stay after or come in late or whatever. Um, I'm down to low 30s, upper 20s. And people who were in 20s before are now down okay. to mid-teens. So... Cards have been signed. Mm -hmm. And then in the process, what happened after that moment? So after that, it actually was ended up being accidentally a huge mess. Okay, because we were like, oh, we'll do it the 16th. We're going to no, that's Martin Luther King Day. Mm. All of the union representative people like their lawyer, they have, you know, better rights than we do. So they (laughs) don't have to work on Martin Luther King Day. We were like, oh, whoopsie daisy. Can't do that. Okay. (laughs) Had to move. Although I feel like Martin Luther King Jr. would have been. He would have been so down. He would have been so down. (laughs) Martin Luther King had excellent stances on class issues. It's not well publicized in a lot of American Martin Luther King uh, events. But if you are curious, you should look into it. It's really cool. So we were going to do that. Did not end up doing it. Did the 17th instead. Uh, And basically, like, we handed the cards over, and then we just had to sit on our hands and wait. And so we waited, like, basically, we got it done, I want to say that Thursday or Friday. I don't remember for sure. What does that mean? Because you said the cards were all a digital link. Yes. But somebody in your team of three was collecting them somehow? and We were sending links to people. Okay. 
we were sending links to people or I think I had like one person fill it out on my phone because they just didn't know how to do yeah. it. I was like, I'll show you. It'll be okay. Yeah. But we were just sending links to people and then essentially that is paperwork. So I can't officially see that list of people. Okay. Um, Starbucks, I don't can't see that list of people either. The only people who can officially see that list are Starbucks Workers United, who are uh, our legal team, yeah. as well as our union representatives and the National Labor Relations Board. So that is like pretty anonymous. So we just had to kind of sit and wait and wait for the lawyer to file that paperwork and put that through, which happened like mid-morning, I want to say around like 10 or 11 on uh, the 17th. And then the rollout. So this is WVLP 103.1 FM and streaming online at WVLP.org. This is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio. And it's me and Reagan today. And we're talking about trying to unionize Reagan's Starbucks store. (laughs) So you're sitting on your hands waiting. What happens next and how are people responding? Well, we're... uh the three of us were pretty excited, also extremely anxious, but like really <laughs> excited. We made sure even people who we felt would vote no and we did not offer them a card beforehand, we like did our best to like, basically everybody the day before got a text saying, hey, just so you know, this is gonna happen, except our store manager for obvious reasons. Uh, yes. <laughs> and then we came in and I came in really early that day. Our potential union rep came in that day also, which was really good. She was there to like, answer additional questions and like handed out union buttons and all that good stuff uh and i brought in like a cake and some flowers and said we're gonna celebrate we're gonna have a good time today and like it just in the break room or yeah okay brought in the back just brought brought some stuff said happy finally day on it nice and then like when did the store manager know or did they know i emailed they they kind of heard about it part of the dear howard letter which is available uh for sure on starbucks workers united twitter account and you'll have to say what the dear howard letter is yes yeah so the dear howard letter um from what i was told is essentially our petition to be like hey we are going to unionize please recognize that this is our intention And then also the purpose, we have not all of our partners at our store, but a fair majority of people who signed cards. We have people who signed cards who did not sign the letter. Okay, okay. But people who um, sign the letter also receive a little bit of additional legal protection. So if I go from approximately 30, like 26 to 32 hours a week, which is what I'm, I'm getting right now, to zero, I've signed this petition. I've been very openly a union organizer. This is retaliation. There is potentially something that I can do about it. If I get fired, there is potentially something that I can do about it because my name is on this letter. Right. It offers just that little bit more legal protection. So somebody might have signed the union card, but not put their name to the Dear Howard letter. Mm -hmm. And if they're fired, it's just really hard to be able to make any It's hard to... Again, people can get fired for legitimate reasons during this time period. Don't get me wrong. But... For the most part. You have at least one. Yeah, we have a little bit of legal protection. And like, just for example, I got a baby promotion not that long ago to barista trainer, which just basically means I get paid a little bit extra for training new employees, which is something my store manager approved and wanted me to do. And I just got, but we're finishing out my partner of the quarter, which is where you get voted by your coworkers as to like who they feel is a very valuable coworker. If I get fired out of nowhere, uh-huh. ladies and gentlemen, it's uh-huh. because I'm a union organizer. Like There no. aren't complaints about your work or no. anything like that. Yeah. yeah. But like, even with that, you know, I can't necessarily prove that. But right. now I can. I okay. put my letter on the thing. Yeah. I put my name on there. Yeah. I'm real loud and proud. So 
you wrote the Dear Howard letter, mm-hmm. you signed it, there's other names on it as well. What did you do with the letter? Basically, that's how my manager was informed. The morning we filed, I get to the store, I put the cake and the flowers in the back, I say hi to folks, emailed our store manager, and Howard Schultz, who's the current CEO of Starbucks, which we are going to change over in April to somebody different. Oh, okay. Um, But he is still the one currently in charge, so he is the one who gets to receive the email. And that's just, again, it's more legal protection than anything else. As far as I'm aware, that is how my uh, manager was informed. Yeah. Was the Dear Howard letter. Did you find out how the store manager reacted? Like, have you been able to learn? Okay. And maybe not just the store manager, but other responses from Starbucks? So a lot of us are obviously excited. Um, There's anxiety, obviously, because like, you know, it's risky and confrontation will happen and has happened. Okay. Um, So we waited. I went. Uh, this was not my choice, for the record. We had pre-planned, my friend Willow, um, Star, and Alex had pre-planned a vacation um, for basically right after we filed. Uh-huh. I think it was like the 21st through the 24th. Yeah. So I was there for a couple days, and I came in early, and what we were told was like, okay, your district manager is probably going to be there the day you file. Your district manager is probably going to be there, if not then, then after. She didn't come the whole time I was waiting for her, you know, which is mm-hmm. not, that's not like, it's not like she had an appointment with me or anything. It's just yeah. that was what I was expecting. Um, but she didn't come then. And then our manager happened to catch covid Oh. Also, so she was supposed to be there the day we filed. Just she was scheduled. The store um, manager. Yeah, she was. And then she just happened not to because she had COVID. Okay. Um, so it was just a weird convergence of events. Like it was weird timing for everybody involved, I think. But I don't regret it for the record. I think it was a good call. It needed done. Um, and it had to happen one day. So it might as well have happened that yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. So my store manager didn't get back until... I want to say until I had already left for vacation. Yeah. And she seems to be reacting. She's not being cruel or anything, which was honestly a fear, which this is also still an anti-union tactic. But she's trying to be very, very like, oh, like you can talk to me and this hurt my feelings type of thing, which I get. But at the same time, if we had told her, which would have been very silly to do, beforehand she would have been obligated to report it to her higher ups which would make it almost impossible to do so she might actually be hurt she might not be um well it's interesting to think about the difference between interpersonal mm -hmm. this hurts that i didn't get informed or you couldn't trust me but there's this whole other layer you're not just persons to each other you're actually in a hierarchy yes and there's nothing personal about that. Yes. Um, I, I can imagine that would be hard, but yeah. it, maybe it doesn't seem like this store manager is making that or recognizing that distinction. I don't know. Because I can't, I don't want to speak on intentions. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Because that's, I'm not her. Um, I also don't really know her that well, honestly. I work night shifts. She, I barely see her. Okay. Yeah. I barely see her at all. I think I've had like a handful of conversations with her. So, but at the end of the day, I, you know, I kind of, I get it. You can have a hurt feeling, but also to not acknowledge the the very clear stratification that is intentionally there is, I think, a little dishonest. So what about other responses? Yeah. So again, mostly anxious, mostly excited. Um, We have a couple people who are like, I feel 
very overwhelmed by this. And I was like, I also feel very <laughs> overwhelmed by this. Please, please do not misunderstand. I am on the same page as you. And so like there has been that kind of thing. And then like the emotions that come from being overwhelmed, like I am frustrated. I don't understand. I need you to talk me through this. I, can you explain this? Can you can you justify this? And like the answer for me, at least every time has been yes, I absolutely can. And we are, you know, having conversations with people who are no's because they're at our store too. And we want to hear what they have to say. Absolutely. It just wasn't safe to have a really direct conversation until now. And now we're having really direct conversations. And I feel really good about the direct conversations that I've been having. Yeah. So that's interesting because I was kind of imagining like, the crew like you call yourselves partners yeah the, that's the, the starbucks partners. that's the starbucks name for okay, us okay so yeah. like the partners i i guess i had kind of imagined you sort of all on board and then any response that you were going to get after the the filing went you know public was going to come from above but you're talking about like there's actually still this proliferation of feelings and like uh-huh. needing to be walked through the like reactions to like this big step that you're taking which is still just to be able to vote whether Mm -hmm. you will yeah no decision was made without anybody no decision can be made without everybody who is willing to vote because technically you don't have to vote like you can opt out that's your choice okay nobody is not going to have that choice assuming unless you don't show up which is your prerogative you know, everybody will have that option. Is that, you, you talk about it as if it's a moment in time. Is that true? Like we're, you're working towards a yes. vote. So it's a vote. It is a specific date. The date is still in the air, which is why I'm not saying the date. Okay. Uh, because we're talking over the date with our uh, union people. But also we do not get to pick the date. Starbucks picks the date. The corporate. Um, the corporate p- picks the date and they also pick where we're going to do it. Oh, like... It might not be in Indiana? Like It will be in Indiana. It will be in Valparaiso. Um, okay. It might not be at our store, which would okay. obviously be the most convenient place to do right. it. But we don't get to pick any of that. We have to be like, well, I guess. Because otherwise, it's pro- it's a, a prolonged additional legal battle. And Starbucks United, which is the union that we're, we're working with and fighting for, uh, still doesn't have a contract because Starbucks also has refused to come to the table to bargain for a contract. So it's an additional legal battle on top of an additional legal battle. So yeah, we kind of more or less kind of just have to go with it from what I have been told. So yeah, we don't really get to pick the date. We don't really get to pick where we do it. Do Um, you have a range of time in which you can go in and vote like we do when we're voting in an election? Yeah, there'll be a range of time that people can go in to vote. Um, It'll be one day that you will have the option to do it. Starbucks, the corporation has specifically fought folks because they want there is technically two different ways to do a union a union election you can do it in person or you can mail it in okay um and starbucks is specifically uh fought against the mail in yeah, stuff so we're just avoiding mail in okay. because it's an, again another like why take battle. that on let's just yes, focus let's our just energies get where we need to go because um, there were some starbucks was not happy with how other mail-in ones went like the big story is that like essentially some partners were not receiving or were not like their ballots were not going in on time. So they dropped them off directly at the post office. And for some reason that is, hmm. I don't understand it fully. I'm not going to lie and say I do. Okay. But for whatever reason, Starbucks corporate does not like mail-in ballots. And if we wanted one, we'd have to really like fight for one. Yeah. Okay. So that date is yet to be set and it's kind of the next moment. Yes. I'm wondering how the media response was and how do you feel about the media attention that you got? 
Uh, I won't lie. It was overwhelming at first. And could um, you just describe who reached out to you? Yeah. So technically only two directly reached out to me. Because again, mostly this goes through Starbucks Workers United. Um, and then they it, it trickles to us. So basically what happened is I was there filing day. And it was just because it was convenient. I was there with MC filing day. She got an email. She was like, okay, are you ready to do an interview at like 1130 for Indiana NPR? And I was like, okay, um, yeah, I can do that. It's a good thing you have so much practice on this radio show. Oh, I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So it was a little overwhelming. We had a couple folks calling the store, which if you are a media outlet, please do not call the store. Please call the number listed on the PR uh, like statement. Do not call the store. <laughs> you can get us fired. Do not do that. Do not try to come to the store. You will get us fired. Do not do that. That was the whole thing. And were you happy with the media coverage? So NPR, and then I also saw something in Northwest Indiana Times, Northwest right? Indiana Times, and then there was an additional, the Post Tribune Okay. also covered. Okay. I think that's it. As uh, far as you know. As far least. as I'm aware, and um, I have been, like, just, you know, keeping track. All of it seems fine. Like, it's been, like, I don't think it's been particularly for or against us okay. it seems very like okay this is what they say this is yeah. what starbucks say here's an article yeah. uh which i don't take issue with so if people want to be supporting you through this overwhelm uh, what are ways that people can support your partners at the starbucks yes to be clear the starbucks customers so far that have said anything about the union have been awesome and it's been like super cool to talk like more deeply with people that I see every day who before now I didn't even really think they knew my name okay yeah so it's it's really cool like the community support has been great um we would love additional community support so on February 11th we are going to have a sip in and what a sip in is is basically uh if you and other community members like tell your friends bring your family whatever you got going on if you could come in and order a simple drink please be nice to us <laughs> maybe tip if you can come in um say something pro-union in your name and like we had an awesome regular for a while and he would just put ken says unionize on his mobile order um you want to do something like that come in hang out at the starbucks um it's going to be again february 11th from 10 to 2 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Yes. Okay. And I will so be... a four-hour window. Yes. And I will be working that day, I, but I don't Yay. go until 1, so I'll be there early if you want to talk and hang out a little bit. Yeah, we would really appreciate some community support. Um, I am going to put some additional, like, just like a nice little flyer on social media. Uh, we're going to ask a couple different groups to host those for us, so look for us online, but it's going to be February 11th, 10 to 2. And you're hoping that the, 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 the sense of customers in the store who are in support of the union will be a way to feed and renew the energy of the partners so yeah. that they have a sense that the community is behind this effort on their parts. And Absolutely. Hopefully alleviate or add a different dimension to the overwhelm. Yeah, no, we're <laughs> proud to live here. We're proud to work here. And we just want to make that really clear. And uh, it would be really nice if you guys would come and support us and show us that you're proud of us for living here and working here, too. February 11th, 10, 10 to, two. to 2. Which store? Oh, I am so sorry. I forgot there's three <laughs> stores in town. It's the Laporte and Silhavy location. Um, for those of you like me who are uh, directionally challenged and don't like road names, it's the one by Target in Valparaiso, Indiana. The one like before that shopping center with Santos Tacos and Tomato Bar in it. Laporte and Silhavy, uh, Starbucks. 
Awesome. Great. Well, I hope Listen Up Welcome Project Radio listeners will go out in support of our very own Reagan Skaggs on February 11th from 10 to 2 at the Starbucks on Laporte and Sylhavy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to our sponsors, Asana Yoga Center at asanacenter.com and Roots Market Cafe at rootsmarketcafe.com. And you can find us online at welcomeproject.valpo.edu and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to support WVLP in our show, you can make a donation by going to wvlp.org support. Thanks, everybody. Yay. Good luck, Reagan. <laughs> Thanks.